From NBC5 and the Dallas Morning News, this is the Lone Star Politics Podcast. I'm Chris Blake. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were sworn in as president and vice president last week. Just two days later, Democrats announced the House would send the article of impeachment against former President Donald Trump to the Senate on Monday. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said he wanted to delay the trial until February, but Democrats rebuffed that request. So with Democrats holding the slightest of majorities in the Senate, where does that leave the Republican Party after four years under Donald Trump? Former Congressman Will Hurd joins Julie Fine and Gromer Jeffers to discuss the future of the GOP. Then, Dallas Morning News Washington Bureau Chief Todd Gilman, who covered the inauguration, stops by to talk about the first few days of the Biden administration. And Parker County Emergency Management Coordinator Sean Hughes on COVID-19 and the county's vaccine rollout. Republican Will Hurd served three years in the U.S. House representing Texas's 23rd district, which covers a huge swath of West Texas, from San Antonio to El Paso along the U.S.-Mexico border. It's one of the most contested congressional districts in the state, and Hurd opted not to run for a fourth term. Republican Tony Gonzalez was elected in November by a four-point margin. A more moderate voice in the Republican Party, Hurd has not yet announced his future plans. Here he is with Julian Grummer. Former San Antonio Congressman Will Hurd joins us this morning. Thanks so much for being here. Good morning, y'all. It's always a pleasure to be on with you. Where is the Republican Party now after the last four years? Uh, we're, we're soul searching is, is, the, is the short answer. And we need to figure out how we become a party of principles again. Uh, because right now, by a good uh, part of the American population, we're seen as a party that's supporting um, conspiracy theorists who you know, wanted to try to murder the former vice president or use the N-word when referring to a, a black police officer who was literally protecting a democracy. We've lost, Republicans have lost the popular vote for the presidency seven out of the last eight times. And, and Julie, as you said at the top of this, of the show, uh, we will, in four years, Republicans have lost the House, the Senate, and the presidency. And what we need to do is make sure we learn the right lesson uh, from the 2020 uh, election. And to me, the lesson is, Number one, don't be a jerk. And number two, don't be a socialist. Uh, we do have an opportunity um, to, to grow the party, but the party needs to start looking like all of America. We've talked about this uh, before. And so we need to get back to our values. We need to be back, we need to get back to those conservative values that people know us for. And when we do that, that is gonna translate into electoral success. Well, Congressman, having said what you just said, how do you do that and still appeal to the Trump voters, the Trump supporters who are disappointed uh, with the Republican Party and also who, who sort of like the, the former president and believed in some of the things he, he did? If you look across the country for a lot of the Republicans that won in this past election, they outperformed Donald Trump by a significant margin. And, and you can also look to, to our state here in Texas about some of the successes Republicans had. Uh, why did Republicans have success uh, along the border uh, with Latino communities? We, we had success because those communities were against things like defund the police. Right? When, you, when you think about the, the number of communities that have family members or are supported by somebody in federal law enforcement, that was not the right message. So there are a lot of Democrats that are interested and, 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 and feel like the Democratic Party is leaving them behind. 
And that's a group of people that we're able to, to talk to and to pursue. And so I don't think it is, it is, is mutually exclusive to go after or to get those people that voted uh, for Donald Trump and at the same time, get those people that are in the middle of the country that are frustrated with what is going to ultimately be a leftward lurch um, of this country. Uh, President Biden, I, I wish him success. I want him to be successful because if he's successful, we're all successful. And part of talking about unity, that's the right message. Uh, but guess what? Your actions have to, to merge with your words, right? The audio and the video uh, need to match. And part of that unity is reaching out and working with Republicans in Congress in order to pass legislation um, that both sides can, can deal with. It's not just running the tables on only you know, left-wing progressive activities. So th this is, we have an opportunity uh, to grow and we need to, and it goes back to be based on our values. And our values are simple. Freedom leads to opportunity. Opportunity leads to growth. Growth leads to progress. President Biden, and you just touched on this, really tried to get a mess message of unity across. What does it take now in Washington to make that work? Unfortunately, Julie, in the, in the last, I would probably say two decades, um, people believe that the only way to get anything done in Washington, D.C. is through unified government, meaning the same party controls the White House, the House, and the Senate. And actually, I would say that that's the worst way to govern because what happens is in two years, you know, the, the, the electoral math suggests that the House is going to flip in, in 2022. These are one of the truisms of, of politics that the party and that owns the presidency uh, loses votes in the in the in the house in that off-year election, and and so this notion that that unified government is the way you get things done, um, it, it hasn't panned out. The only way you get big things done is by doing them together. I know a little something about that. I've got you know in my six years in Congress, my three terms, I got 20 pieces of legislation signed into law under a Republican president, under a Democratic president, under a Republican speaker, under a Democratic speaker. But Joe Biden is going to have to go back to his old ways when he was in the Senate and try to get done deals done with Mitch McConnell. And what, what's going to happen is that is going to upset the left wing of his party who's expecting him to be something that he, he really hasn't been in his political career. And, and that's super left-leaning. So, so unity means working together not only working within your own party to get things done. Just, just uh, quickly, Congressman, with all you just said, is it possible then for Biden to get some of the big things done, including uh, helping curb the pandemic and getting a relief package through Congress? Is all that possible based on what you just said? I think it is possible, and it's going to require him to to sometimes maybe go around Speaker Pelosi or Leader Schumer and work directly with with, with Republicans in in Congress that actually want to get a deal done. I, there's plenty of Republicans that recognize the impact of the of the of the of coronavirus and the pandemic. We're going to probably hit over half a million people died in the United States of America by by next month. That's a crazy, outrageous number. Um, so there is there is potential bipartisan support. Um, I was part of a group called the the, the Problem Solvers, where you had a, a bipartisan, bicameral um, ideas on how to do this. So there is that, but but guess what? It's going to require. President Biden to potentially reach out directly to those individual members who want to play ball, because I don't know if, if Speaker Pelosi and Chuck Schumer have it in them to 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 do something in, in a bipartisan way. 
Before we let you go, you just left Congress. A lot of questions about your future. And you have said you don't rule out a run for president in 2024. Mm -hmm. What are you doing now? And has anything changed? <laughs> well, look, if I can serve my country, you, you know I will, right? I've, I've, I've been honored to serve my country in the CIA and, and also most recently in Congress. I'm looking forward to staying involved in that intersection of technology, um, national security, and public policy. That's what excites me. I also know how to win tough elections. So if I'm able to help um, advise and, and work with can great candidates uh, across the country in order to help them win in tough elections so we get that kind of Republican who has a, a, an ideology that's based on serious principles, then I'm looking forward to, to doing that. Former Congressman Will Hurd, thanks so much for being uh, with us. See, see you in Iowa. Growers <laughs> going to see you in Iowa. <laughs> Joe Biden was sworn in as the 46th president of the United States on Wednesday in an inauguration that looked much different than in years past. Due to COVID-19 and the deadly riot at the Capitol early this month, Attendance was low and security was high. In the days since, Biden has taken quick action on several fronts and announced aggressive plans to fight the coronavirus and get the vaccine rolled out. Todd Gilman is the Washington bureau chief for the Dallas Morning News and joins Julian Gromer now. You were actually at the inauguration. What really stuck out to you? Well, it was by far the easiest parking and getting through security of the six <laughs> inaugurations I've ever been to. There were vastly more National Guard soldiers outside protecting the Capitol, the White House, the whole downtown DC zone, than people attending the inauguration. It was kind of weird. I mean, maybe there were a thousand of us out there. There couldn't have been more than a hundred reporters out in the, in the press section, it was sparse. That's really, uh, and, and, and as a result, it didn't have the same energy that it, uh, an ordinary inauguration would have. I mean, you still felt the joy from the Democrats who were there, and you still felt the kind of sullen, well, you know, we're, we're here, we understand, we lost, but it's democracy kind of thing from the Republicans. But you, you didn't have the jubilation that you would have with a huge crowd. You know, Todd, you did have, have some added history. Vice President Kamala Harris making history by becoming the first woman of color and the 49th vice president. What was it like witnessing that, that history? Well, I, I mean, there were, there were clearly people out in the audience who were getting chills and not just because, you know, it was snowing for a little while there. Uh, it was important. It was a big thing. Um, I have to say it was, uh, it, it did not have the same feel as the Obama inauguration, which really broke the, the, the racial barrier. Uh, and again, I think that's a big function of how many people were there. You know, big smile from, from uh, Vice President Harris uh, and a thrill through the crowd, but, you know, a little bit anticlimactic because of the, the diminished attendance. I will say one, one thing that I'm not sure everybody caught, uh, how uh, Sonia Sotomayor, the, the justice who swore in Vice President Harris, mispronounced her first name. Like, you have one job, Justice. And uh, it, it, was, it was interesting to hear Harris not explicitly correct her, but use it, you know, pronounce her own name correctly. She stood her ground as well she should. Uh, there were a lot of chilling moments in a good way, uh, moments that gave a thrill to the crowd. Garth Brooks' amazing grace 
was was a very moving rendition. Lady Gaga's national anthem uh, was a very moving uh, song and and unifying. There were there were many aspects of the ceremony that were ordinary, and the ritual of the passing of the torch that were ordinary, and to have Vice President Pence there. Uh, but of course, the absence of President Trump was peculiar. Day one, there were executive orders, including halting construction on the wall and rejoining the Paris Accords. He went to work quickly addressing COVID as well. Right. It's job number one. Uh, nothing's going to work properly until we uh, get out of this pandemic posture that we're all in. I'm here working from a home office. Uh, I, I have to say, candidly, the day before inauguration was the first day that I've been at the Capitol in months. Uh, and I had to go then to pick up a ticket and credentials. And then, of course, I went to the inauguration, and I'm so glad that I did. Uh, but it was an empty shell, you know, until we can get teachers vaccinated so that they can safely go back to school with their kids uh, in the classrooms. And that allows people, you know, the next domino is so that people can then go back to work because they're not stuck at home helping their kids study math. Uh, nothing's going to work until the Biden administration gets all of those vaccines together and into the arms of Americans. Uh, you know, they, they inherited a lot of progress. There are vaccines, and that's great news. And 36 or 38 million Americans have already gotten them. Uh, but we need to get hundreds of uh, millions more uh, shots, you know, two doses per person to really get back to any sense of normalcy and to get the economy back to where it should be. So naturally, that is that is Biden's job number one. And Todd, the president has a goal of 100 million vaccines in, in, in 100 days. Yeah, other than that, he's he's sort of been sort of tamping down expectations, but that's a big number. Can he do it? What do you think? Well, it, you know, it's it's interesting. It is a big number, but uh, it's a number that they're sticking with, even though things are surpassing that level of expectation. Uh, and no doubt they knew that it would. We're already on a pace to get about a million and a half shots per per, uh, per day. So that's, you know, obviously 150 million shots if we keep up that pace. And hopefully we'll even see acceleration. Uh, but nonetheless, the president... Uh, President Biden already shot down, oh, come on, guys, back off, when one of the reporters at the White House asked him, aren't you artificially keeping down expectations if we're already doing better than that? Yes, they're keeping down expectations, and, and that's good, uh, because it's always, you know, it's, it's better to uh, do better than to do worse than the expectations. But we all hope that by the end of 100 days, it will be well above 100 million people who have been vaccinated. Todd, what issues do you expect Texas Republicans specifically to push back on? Well, we're already seeing a lot of it, uh, a lot of uproar about the Keystone XL pipeline being canceled. Uh, and of course, that was something that President Trump had rushed through. So it's all natural and expected that President Biden was going to scrap it. Uh, they're angry about the uh, immigration Pro, uh, proposals that Biden is making, although not so much about halting wall construction. Very few advocates in Congress for spending so much money on building the border wall, let alone uh, sapping billions and billions of dollars from the Pentagon in order to do it because Congress refused to cough up the money. Uh, so that part of the Trump policy is not getting pushed back, but other parts of Biden's moves are. Uh, the idea of path to citizenship for eight million or more unauthorized immigrants in the country 
without an enormous buildup of security, which is usually that's the deal that we've always seen for years and years, this comprehensive immigration reform, which marries the uh, uh, new, new things for immigrants who are here illegally with new security measures, making it comprehensive. Biden is not going that route. So we're already seeing an enormous amount of pushback on that. But, but energy in Texas, a lot of jobs hinge on energy and Keystone XL and rejoining the Paris Climate Accord, which will also have implications for uh, uh, greenhouse gas emissions and you know fossil fuel industries that fuel a lot of jobs in Texas. These are getting a lot of pushback and will continue to do so. And then the, on the purely political front, we have the impeachment trial looming of President, uh, ex-President Trump. And there's a lot of uproar with Republicans who say, let's move on. The Biden administration, the White House should be putting pressure on its allies in the Senate to get this over with quickly and, and stop trying to beat a dead horse and punish an ex-president. The Texas Department of State Health Services is steadily adding to the number of COVID-19 vaccine distributors in the state. Texas is utilizing what it is calling vaccine hubs to get the doses out in large quantities. Last week, the state added the first two hubs in North Texas that were not located in Collin, Dallas, Denton, or Tarrant counties. One was in Fannin County, the other in Parker County. The Parker County Hospital District in Weatherford received 1,950 first doses of the Pfizer vaccine last week. And the emergency management coordinator for that county, Sean Hughes, talked with Julian Gromer about the rollout. Thanks so much for being with us. How is it going so far as a hub? Well, uh, it's a pleasure to be here with y'all. Good times are, are, are coming. Uh, we're getting vaccine. Um, as, a, as a hub, newly designated hub, things are going very well. We did uh, almost 2,000 vaccines yesterday, and uh, we did drive-through as well as in-person. We did over 1,000 folks in person yesterday. And just kind of as a side note, we did a 102-year-old patient who got their first vaccine yesterday, which was really kind of nice. Uh, we've had some emails from folks who were there and said it ran like clockwork and went very well. Uh, and we're anticipating moving forward with more of a standardized process uh, to help folks because there is some confusion and, and we're trying to bring about some, some stability to, to kind of what's going on. So you just mentioned the confusion and you're right there is confusion. So what would you tell the person out there that's in line for a, a vaccine and just doesn't have a clue about what to do? And I know it is, it's involved, it, you know, the process can be involved, but I mean, what would you tell that person? Be patient. Above yeah. all, uh, be patient. Everyone has the same goal, and, and that is to get a shot in the arm and in 21 or 28 days later to get a a second shot, and then two months after that, to, to gather that protection. Don't, we, we like to call it shop a doc. Uh, right. Don't sign up at six different places. If you do sign up in multiple places and you get a vaccine appointment, be sure to cancel the ones that you called because that frees up an appointment for someone else maybe down the road. Work with your local physicians. If you have a medical condition, you're unsure whether you meet the requirements or don't meet the requirements. Talk to your personal physician and ask them uh, for some guidance. We don't know what's coming beyond 
1A and 1B, which is who we're currently serving. We don't know if it's going to be a 1C or a 2A. We, we, we don't know. For, the, for most of the public, probably uh, that's their concern is when are we going to get to meet? And, and that's a fair question. Right now, we don't know. Like I said, we're doing the healthcare workers, frontline folks, uh, public safety, uh, 65 and above with a secondary condition, and uh, 16 or 18 above, I'm sorry, 65 and older with any condition, and 16 to 18 with a, a secondary condition. So don't call 15 times a day in, in Parker County, the Parker County Hospital District website, which is pchdtx.org, they, they, as they get appointments and they get additional vaccines, they open up appointments as they can. We've had 600 appointments open up and those were gone within 24 hours. What we kind of anticipate is we're going to see a, a big push for folks wanting to get the vaccine and we'll move through those over the next month or two. And then we'll get to a point where we run out of people. And, and as a hub, we are sharing with the other counties here out west, Palo Pinto, Hood, uh, Wise County as well, to make sure that, that if we have a few extra vaccines that we're providing to them. As the governor stated, any Texan could go to any place, any county and get the vaccine. And we're open up to everybody. We've had some folks from Tarrant County come over here, some folks from Palo Pinto and Wise County come into Parker County and, and get the vaccine. And our folks have gone to those other counties. But to answer your question, to get back to your question, patients, we know everybody wants the vaccine. We're, we're, we're providing the vaccine almost as fast as we can get it. And in Parker County, uh, we believe we're doing a great job in, in getting the word out and, and, and moving through the folks that want it. Sean, so people understand what they do is they go to the website you just mentioned, and if there's open appointments, they click and they'll, I assume, get an email saying they have an appointment there? Yes, ma'am. And, and when they click on that site, they get an appointment. It's not to be put on a list. Um, it'll say we have an appointment at 1130 on Wednesday. If they click on that, that's their appointment at 1130 on Wednesday to get their first shot. And then Subsequently, they'll be notified on their second shot, 21 days. We're, we're, we're now in, in administering the Pfizer. So it'll be 21 days later, they'll get a follow-up email phone call to, uh, to get their second shot. The other question that comes up is, I don't have, I don't have access to the internet, which is common in, in, in rural communities. And there is a phone number. While I'm talking, I'm going to try to get you that phone number. Uh, but there is also a telephone right now. The, the, the telephones are way backed up and they're getting a message that says, please try, try back at a later date um, because everyone's calling, trying to get on a list and there really is no list. So now we, we've transitioned. There was a list and we're over the next two weeks, we're transitioning from the list to the appointments. And that's what we're trying to get everyone to do is Go to the Parker County Hospital District, pchdtx.org, and you'll have to go repetitively over the next couple of days to try to find those appointments. Uh, the phone number that I mentioned earlier is 817-341-2520, and I'm going to repeat that again, 817-341-2520. And there again, be patient with that. Um, there are so many people wanting to call thinking they can get on a list and, and they're just inundated with phone calls right now. But 
and it gets back to patience. We, we ask for patience. Well, we, ha we have a new administration and of course uh, 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 the governor and, and, and the folks here in Texas are, are, are working hard as well. What do you need uh, to help in, in what you're doing? If you, if you had to sit down with the president and the governor, what would you tell them, hey, this is kind of what we need to get to make this process better? Of course, uh, this is a new vaccine and, and there's a ramp up to it. And we understand that. I, I'm also a paramedic. I've uh, been in public safety for 37 years. New programs like this, of course, take a little bit of time to ramp up. We need to make sure that that vaccine supply and the, the supplies related to administering the vaccines are uninterrupted. We've been very fortunate here in the fact that we haven't experienced a lot of that. But I would say continue continue producing the vaccine and the supplies related to it. Escalate if you can. The distribution from our point of view has gone pretty well. Um, we, we've When they say that, that we're going to get vaccine, we get it. Maybe expand that out to the other counties in, in Texas, 254 counties in the state of Texas. We've got some large areas, but we also have a lot of areas that don't have a lot of population and make sure that those are covered. Like I said, we're going to share with our partners, our other counties. Tarrant County is going to share with, with other counties as well. And, and, and I, would, I would ask uh, the new administration to stress patience. Uh, again, it gets back to patience that we're, we're working as hard as we possibly can to get to, those, to get to everyone. And it just takes a little bit of time and continue the funding. Um, it's important that, that we push this out at no cost to citizens. And, and that helps us tremendously and continue to fund, uh, fund this project until we get it completed. John, I appreciate your time. Um, Gromer, I'm sure does too. I just spoke for both of us, Gromer. Sorry yeah, about that. That's great. that's great. Thank you so much for being with us. We know you're really busy getting this up and running. Absolutely. And, and we appreciate y'all helping us spread that word. I, I appreciate all the listeners. And, and uh, again, be patient. Uh, we're all working hard and, and just hang in there with us and, and we'll get to you. You can find the latest information on vaccine distribution and other COVID-19 resources on our website. Thanks to former Congressman Will Hurd, Todd Gilman, and Sean Hughes for joining us this week. Stay up to date with everything related to Texas politics at NBCDFW.com slash Lone Star Politics. We'll talk to you next week.